morning, everyone. We are so glad you made it here, despite the rain, despite the one elevator um, and the change in location. We're so glad that you found us um, and that you are here. So welcome to Great Commission Community Church. Um, and as always, we are gathered here um, in this unique time, um, in a different and unique place, together as a local body of believers to tell Christ's story, to encounter his Holy Spirit together, and to be formed in his likeness. Um, and as we will hear from our call to worship, we will one day join a great multitude in heaven from all generations, from all places, to rejoice in and glorify our Savior. Um, so this is what the Apostle John recounts in a vision that he saw as recorded in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So as you're able, please stand as we sing. Let's experience a foretaste of this heavenly worship, the marriage feast of Christ the Lamb and Christ and the church his bride. Here we are together, telling the story of the Lord, standing in the presence of the Lord. That's just what we're singing about. That's what we do every time we come to Sunday, uh, come to worship. It's like, why do we come here on Sunday? Well, we're here to tell Christ's story together. We're here to encounter the Spirit together. We're here to be formed to be like Christ together, and that's what we're doing. So let's just sing to each other that, yeah? Here we are together. Here we are together, standing the presence of the Lord. With the Spirit in us, we're telling the story of the Lord. Sing that again. Here we are together. Here we are together, standing in the presence of the Lord. With the Spirit in us, we're telling the story of the Lord. Yeah, pretty easy, right? We'll sing that verse one more time, then we'll sing it for us. So let's sing that here we are together, standing in the presence of the Lord. Here we are together, standing in the presence of the Lord. With the Spirit in us, we're telling the story of the Lord. He died and rose again. He died and rose again. And he is coming again. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Lift your hearts to Jesus. Lift your hearts to Jesus. Praise him, the Savior of us all. Full of truth and justice, you come to Lift your heart to Jesus again. Lift your heart to Jesus. Praise Him, the Savior of us all. Full of truth and justice, He will come to us all. He died and rose again. 
know some of you guys might have just gotten up like 30 minutes ago. It's all good. Turn your gaze. That's what we're doing together. Turning your gaze to heaven. Raising a joyous noise. We remember Christ who died and rose again and is coming again. Yeah, amen. Turn your gaze. Turn your gaze to heaven. Raise a joyous Turn your gaze to heaven one more time. Turn your gaze to heaven and raise a joyous noise. Yeah, let's raise that joyous noise. Yeah, sound of salvation gone, the sound of rescued ones, and all this for a king. Angels join to all for Christ the King. How infinite and sweet is love so rescuing. Oh, how infinitely sweet the great love that has redeemed. As one we sing.
and I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Can we sing that again? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me friend. Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing is better than you.
That's our way of telling you um, that we love giving ourselves to you. We welcome you. We desire you. We're thankful to you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Just open your heart to the Lord as we sing this. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing We desire you, Lord. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. proclamation 
that's called passing the peace. We do this as a way to say to one another that Jesus's peace is real, it's tangible, and it is uh, for us and given to us. So we say the peace of Christ to you. I encourage you to turn to a neighbor, introduce yourself, and wish each other the peace of Christ. So as you know, as you can tell, we're here at a different location today and we'll be here for the next two Sundays. So uh, please keep that in mind. Um, and we're also excited to announce that starting on Easter Sunday, March 31st. Yes, let's get it. Yeah, let's be excited. I know. It's like we should get Justin back in here giving a drum roll. Anyway, um, we are moving um, long term, actually. We're making a long term move from the Doubletree to the Westin Crystal City. So it's right across from the Crystal City Metro. Uh, it's a much nicer space, and we actually have sort of a second floor mezzanine uh, all to ourselves, uh, God's Garden and us. It's a really beautiful foyer we can all hang out in. It's, it's, it's really nice. Um, it's, also, uh, it's also cheaper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, ow! <laughs> yes, Lord! <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, we're right across again from the Crystal City Metro Station on the corner of like 18th and Eads. So if you're trying to place that, um, and and parking wise, uh, like they will give us like parking passes if you have like stroller or if you you know if you have a disability, um, there are limited parking passes in the garage underneath the hotel, but that parking is limited. So um, we are gonna just encourage most people to park in the Crystal City Metro parking lot, which is free on Sundays. And there should be plenty of spaces there. And again, it's just a block. Uh, you cross a street and you walk like it's a short block uh, to the hotel. So we look forward to that. So um, we'll be talking about this um, and praying more about what we're seeing as a, a launch. So I know we're the same church. We're just sort of moving. But um, we've been at the Dollar Tree for a long time and much longer than I've been part of the church as well. And so... Um, it, it really is an, a new chapter. Uh, I mean, we're still in the same general area. Uh, we're still metro accessible and so on. So our mission hasn't changed. Like our desire to be in a metro accessible um, place um, with, you know, the people in mind um, that we have had in mind for a long time, that has not changed. But we are seeing this as sort of a, a, a launch, a new chapter in the life of the church. And so we're really excited about that. Um, so if you can think of it in, on a Super Bowl Sunday, you can think of it as like a kickoff event um, for this new chapter. So we want to make Easter Sunday like a really big deal. Um, over the coming weeks, um, we'll be passing out like little little postcards, little flyers and things like that, some of which we'll try to post around the area, the neighborhood, as well as uh, give you guys so you can give to friends. You know, there'll be like links to the website. You can easily like text or uh, send to your friends and, and whatnot. Uh, just invite them. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice event to invite people to. Hey, our church is moving. Been at this other hotel for a long time. We're at this new beautiful Weston Hotel. And, um, you know, it'd be great for you to join us. Or if you haven't, if, if you've been to our church before, but it's been a while, um, hey, this might be a really good time to, you know, kind of start anew with us. So uh, please keep that in mind. Um, Tuesdays, as always, we have prayer meeting at 8 uh, over Zoom. The link is on our website under GCCC Online. Uh, please join us. And we'll be praying about this new launch as well, especially over the next, like, month and a half. So please join us. Um, on February 25th, which is the last Sunday we're going to be here at the Crown Plaza, 
we're um, having a bake sale uh, to help support a team that we're sending to the country we call Tea House for um, safety reasons. Um, it's on the other side of the world, and we'll be having that bake sale right after service, and you can meet people who are going on that trip. There's a handful of our church people who are going to be going, and so uh, you can meet them and also make a, don a donation. So, uh, so yeah, so it doesn't have to be like matching the value of your baked good that you get. So it's just sort of a, there's baked goods there, and please donate freely, you know, that kind of thing. So it's not so much a bake sale. It's like, what, like $50 for this tiny brownie? It's like, what are, you know, what are we, a Whole Foods? No, anyway. Um, so, uh, so that's on February 25th. Um, speaking of our international partnerships, one of our big international partners is um, a group of Alliance, that's our church denomination, Alliance um, ministers in Cambodia. And so I'm just going to actually, can we show that picture um, of next one is there a picture like of a certificate there we go all right so uh this is a, a message that we got from david manford who's leading our efforts over there i just got back from a week of travels visiting the countryside part of that was attending the dedication of the cm book health center so as you remember we've been we've been working toward and donating a lot of funds to this health center uh in this area of cambodia so uh, I attended the dedication on February 5th, and I put together a two-minute video for GCCC from that time. We'll show that in a second. But this actually made national news. It was a big deal. Uh, we received a plaque from the Stung Trang provincial governor, as shown in this attached picture. I made a clear presentation regarding the fact that this was given through sacrificial donations made by Christians and the reasons they made these gifts. Um, also, on another note, David wrote, um, a word of praise that over the Christmas season, so a month and a half ago, I'm aware of more than 50 people in the area who were baptized and an additional 70 who made professions of faith um, through our ministries here in Cambodia. Many of these come from groups that are very unreached um, in terms of understanding who Christ is. So um, praise God, and then we'll show this really great video. I think you'll hear it in his voice how excited he is uh, as we listen to the message. brothers and sisters at Great Commission Community Church. I just wanted to come and say thank you because yesterday was a special day. February 5th was the day we dedicated the CM Boak Health Center. There were more than 500 people that came from the community, including the provincial governor, the top uh, official in that province came to join with us to dedicate this health center. It was really a beautiful thing as the, I had opportunity to share that as Christians, we believe God has blessed us and given us gifts of salvation through his son. And because of that, we want to bless others to show the love of Christ to others. And this health center was given by people who donated, who had never even known about Cambodia, but because they loved Jesus, they wanted to help people in Jesus' name. The provincial governor gave wonderful comments of thanks for the work that had been done and how this health center has literally opened the doors for thousands of people in that area that never had good access to health care before. 
And the government so appreciated the work that they actually donated an ambulance that can be used so that uh, the people that have more serious disease at this health center can be transported to the provincial hospital. So they're now able to do things like baby delivers in, deliveries in that area that they were not able to do before. They're able to treat basic uh, illnesses and then also send people with more serious illnesses to the provincial hospital. This created great favor uh, for not only the CMA mission, but I really believe for the Christian witness in that community, uh, as they have seen that it is Christians out of love that have helped in these very practical ways. So on behalf of the Alliance mission, I just want to say thank you so very much for your partnership in this very significant open door that the Lord has given into this unreached area. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, and I, I feel like as a church, um, like really own like that praise and that gratefulness, because this is, I mean, it's really our, pro I mean, it's the Lord's project, but it's really our project. It's not like we're just contributing to like a general fund that's out there that a lot of other people are contributing to. Like this is, like, uh, like we're the only ones who are doing this, and so um, it's really th just thanks to all of you who have contributed, you know, both through your offering, but also through um, kind of individual donations on top of that. Um, and this is so great, yeah? Yeah, anyway, so thankful. Um, one more thing about Cambodia and David. Uh, David asked us two weeks ago if, if some people from our church could come and uh, lead their annual retreat, uh, which is called Field Forum, in July, late July. And so um, we are looking for someone to work with kids, another, at least one more to work with uh, like teenage kind of kids. And then um, another person to like lead music for, for worship. Um, so if you are interested, please contact Pastor Jonathan probably like really quick. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then also uh, we're going to be starting something um, soon here at Arlington right, right around Easter too called Tiny Groups. And uh, Pastor Chris is going to tell us more about that in a moment right before he gives us a sermon on this last section of Ephesians. But before he does that, um, let me just say a prayer dedicating our giving, uh, which we do online as a church. So please pray with me. Lord, as we give, um, I don't know, it's not necessarily that we're looking for certain results like as concrete and specific as this health center, but we're very thankful for it and we praise you for it. And we're so glad to give generously to this. Um, and even when it's not as concrete like a, a, like a, a result, um, we are, Lord, just before you, um, wanting to give generously, wanting to keep our hearts and souls uh, away from like a trap of loving money too much. Uh, Lord, we are giving um, out of love for your people and love for you. And we're also giving out of faith, just trusting you completely. Uh, for all provision. Uh, Lord, knowing you know us and our need just perfectly. So we are just at rest, thankful, and um, just free-handed giving to you, Lord, and your people. Lord, we worship you. There is nothing better than you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please welcome Pastor Chris up. Hello, hello. Good morning. Uh, happy Lunar New Year uh, and Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I was going to talk smack about the Chiefs, but I felt like that, that may not be helpful. Uh, and so just may the best team win. You know, let's just may the best team win. Um, before we, we finish off our Ephesians series, 
uh, we're starting, a few weeks ago I shared about we're starting this discipleship initiative. Um, we didn't have a name yet, uh, but uh, after speaking with some core leaders, uh, we, we decided to call it Tiny Groups. Um, we don't want to confuse it with, with small groups, you know, it's <laughs> small groups and there's not like small groups and tiny groups. Uh, but uh, l- let me explain. Um, discipleship and to be a disciple sometimes has like a, I don't know, like a weird connotation, I feel like, in like Christian circles. It's like, I don't know, you're like a Christian and then there's the disciple. And then it's like, oh, you're like an extreme Christian. Uh, or it's like, oh, uh, unfortunately, there have been a lot of hurt. Uh, from discipleship relationships, you know, where the discipler maybe has, like, like too much, like, almost, like, hold, uh, and they kind of lord over, like, that, that so-called authority, like, over them, uh, and that's, that's not biblical at all. Uh, and so, um, first, like, what, what is a disciple? Um, a disciple, uh, when Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so a, a disciple is, is simply is, is just a follower of Jesus. Like if you're a Christian, you're a, a disciple of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. Uh, and uh, Greg Ogden uh, defines a disciple as uh, someone who responds in faith and obedience to the gracious call to follow Jesus Christ being a disciple is a lifelong process of dying to self while allowing Jesus Christ to come alive in us. Uh, and so that's, that's just what a disciple is. It's not like a, a crazier kind of like Christian, but it's simply just someone who follows Jesus. Uh, and uh, as disciples, one of our main calls is to go and make more disciples uh, in the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations. Uh, and so... The, we're disciples who are called to make disciples, uh, and that process is called discipleship. And so uh, he also defines discipleship as discipling is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other disciples in order to encourage, equip, and challenge one another in love to grow toward maturity in Christ. And so we see uh, Jesus' example of how he, he made disciples. As he called his disciples to go out and make disciples, he, he kind of modeled that in his ministry, uh, that you see that Jesus didn't mass-produce disciples, but Jesus intentionally spent three years with 12 people. Uh, and really, you, you know, it's like three, three people that he had like a closer like circle in even amongst the 12. Uh, and so for Jesus, what his discipleship, that process of, of, of helping people become followers is this, this kind of this intentional, relational walk together of journeying together in life. Uh, and so uh, what we're doing with, with, with tiny groups is, is that we're just having that be the means of which these deeper intentional relationships happen. Uh, and so uh, we, we want to, like I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, I think people might, might think it's like, a, like another ministry. You know, it's like we have small group ministry and then we have tiny group ministry. But that's, that's, that's definitely not what we're trying to do. Like it's more like I was, and this is probably a bad analogy and it's, it's, it's going to break down. So it's, it's less like small group ministry and it's more like, like coffee meets bagel for discipleship. 
but without the weird like like ulterior motives for like trying to get close to people. Uh, but it's just we're just like trying to connect people who want to walk together intentionally in in smaller groups, and that's that's we're just creating a means to do that. Uh, and so um, these the tiny groups will be done in either one-on-one or a maximum one-to-three groups. Uh, and um, it's, it's because, like as, as we're sharing and, and how Jesus modeled discipleship, that being a follower of Jesus is, is so much more than just knowledge about the Lord, but it's actually experiencing him and experiencing his kingdom together. Uh, and so what we want to try to do is have these tiny groups kind of walk Walk life with the Lord together. And while they do that, experience God like in that process and experience God through them as they're going and just walking with the Lord. And so uh, we have a form um, online under our announcements and events. I think on the slide it said March 1st. We're, we're starting in April 1st. So we're starting um, like the day after Easter is, is when we're starting. So if you're, if you're interested and if you look on the form, there will be an option to either be a discipler or a disciple. Uh, and and we're, we're not saying that those who uh, are discipling have arrived at a certain point, right? Like now you're able to disciple others because you've, you've like, you're, you're here, you know? You're like Aristotle or like Socrates, you know? And you're like, you're like teaching people. But so we're not saying those discipling are, are leading by way of teaching, but they're, they're doing it by bringing along others to just travel on that journey together. Uh, and so what we want to emphasize uh, in tiny groups is mutual discipleship, that it's, it's a process of as you're journeying together, you're, you're mutually encouraging and loving each other to grow in the Lord. Uh, and so uh, all groups uh, will be paired uh, on shared uh, meeting frequency uh, and shared specific interests. And, and so we have kind of like two options uh, on the form for frequency. It's like every other week or monthly um, or like in your groups, you can kind of decide like what works for you guys. But well, we want to do that because, you know, some people, you know, maybe only have like, like, like once a month who they can do it. Others maybe have, have more time. Uh, and for specific interests, we wanted to center around, like, doing something together. Uh, so we have different options there. Like, one is, like, serving together at one of our ministry partners, like, like Casa or, or Little Lights or Arlington Food, uh, Food Pantry, where that group will intentionally go there every other week and, and serve together. Um, or it's, it's things um, like, hey, if you're interested in exploring um, emotional health, or improving, uh, like, marital health, uh, something that you're, you're doing together. Uh, and so, yeah, the groups, that's, that's how much, um, like, they'll be paired together based off of frequency uh, and shared interests. Um, so uh, they'll begin April 1st, and uh, they'll formally end uh, at the end of, of August. Uh, but this is just, like, the formal end to, like, our structure, but if the groups decide, hey, like organically, hey, we would love to continue, then then please please feel free to to continue that. Um, uh, and just one one quick date too. 
uh, on March 24th, we're going to have a required discipleship seminar. Uh, so, like, the, the things I, I briefly talked about, like, what, what is a dis- uh, disciple? Like, how do you make disciples? We're going to go more in-depth uh, in having a, a seminar that, that everyone can attend. Uh, and we'll talk through more, like, expectations, uh, different resources that we have. Um, and in there, like, you'll, you'll, you'll meet your little groups uh, and actually start, like, hey, planning, hey, this is, is what, like, our heart is. This is what we want to do together. Um, and hopefully, like, figure out, like, dates uh, that you can just put in your calendars. Uh, and so uh, if, if you guys are interested, um, please, please sign up. Uh, again, this isn't, like, a separate ministry. But we're hoping that this is just the means by which, like, deeper relationships form. Uh, now, like, a lot of people are already organically doing this on your own, and that's, that's great. Uh, but, but, but some of us, I, th- I think me included, I kind of need, like, a little structure to kind of, like, help me in that. So, um, I mean, it's not fair because I was the one who made the form. But I'll, I'm, I'm the first one who signed up because I was like, I think I, think I need this structure. And so if, if that's you, oh, you're like, man, I, I wish there was someone I'm just, like, kind of, like, intentionally walking with. Um, yeah, maybe this can be the means by which that happens. Uh, and so, yeah, just encourage you guys. We're going to have uh, the, f- the forms up and, and open uh, until March 10th. And so we're going to close the forms March 10th. All right, let's, let's get into the word. Uh, so I have the privilege uh, of proclaiming to you um, the word of God. Uh, and we're going to be finishing our, our Ephesian series. Um, so uh, let me do a quick recap uh, because um, if you see our passage, um, like you'll notice that this is one of the most commonly preached, I think, like sermons uh, on the armor of God. Uh, and so I, I want to make uh, sure that we're, we're kind of seeing it like in, in its context because uh, I, I think that'll help us like understand the, the passage a little better. Uh, and so uh, just a quick recap. Uh, of of the letter. Uh, let me, before we get into it, let me say a quick prayer for us. Uh, Lord, we thank you, um, God, for for how you're moving, and you reminded us and showed us, even through David Manfred's update video of what practically living in your kingdom and and following your will, like what that what that looks like. And so, God, I pray that as we hear your word today, that your spirit would come and move and stir and transform and show us heavenly things. That, God, that you would help us, make us more and more like you so that uh, the world, our neighbors, our communities would be blessed by your restoration, your wholeness, your goodness. So come and we pray that your spirit would come and move uh, in our midst today. We thank you. Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, so a quick recap. Uh, in the first three chapters uh, of his letter to the Ephesians, uh, he reminds his listeners of their new identities in Christ. Uh, and their identities are, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, like Ephesians 1 might be one of my, my favorite chapters. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, but you, you should definitely read it on your own. But he reminds them that that they were dead, but through Christ have been made alive. That now they are holy, that they are blameless, that they are righteous. And in fact, they are now 
members of the household of God. That Christ's work of redemption was to unite all things to him, of which believers are now a part of, believers who are now united to Christ. So much so that Paul writes that they are now seated with him in heavenly places. Now, it doesn't say in the coming age they're going to see They'll be seated with Christ in heavenly places. He says right now, believers are seated with him in heavenly places. And so what does, what does that look like? And so Paul goes on to say that believers who are now united to Christ are given authority over everything as part of the authority given to the church of which Christ is the head. And this power he writes, is immeasurable power. It's so much power given to the church that you, we can't even measure it, that there's no scale for how much power that is. And finally, in the coming ages, he does say that we will be given a glorious inheritance, which he says is immeasurable riches of his grace. Again, he uses immeasurable. It's so much grace that unmerited, undeserved favor, that we can't even imagine that favor that would be bestowed upon us. And so this is the new identity that is given to every believer. And that's, that's pretty amazing. And then he goes on to say for the next three chapters, from four to six, of what was the, the, the bulk of our, our sermon series, was that Paul then admonishes these same believers to walk in and live out these new identities. And so a question I had was, if that's already who we are, like why are believers called to, to walk in them? Like if that's an that's a amazing identity, why are we called to walk in them? And we see here and throughout the New Testament, and we talk about it at our church too, but the reality of the already but not yet. That our new identities are true and real. That we are right now reigning with him, but his complete fulfillment is not yet. That the power of sin has been broken, but his complete destruction is coming soon when Jesus returns to usher in the new heavens and new earth. But while we wait for him, Paul reminds us that we have new identities. That we are his new creation workmanship created for good works. Uh, and if you remember what, what Pastors Carl and, and Jonathan preached the last few weeks, it's because we are united to him that we are to bear with one another until we all attain to full unity. That we are to put off the old self, put on the new. The old self with its deceitful desires and idolatry, sexual immorality, corrupting talk, bitterness. And we are to put on the new, which is created after the likeness of God. And last week, we learned that we are to put off the old and put on the new in our various different relationships, in our husband-wife relationships, in our children uh, and parent relationships, in bond servants and masters. And so these are practically, by putting off the old and putting new, these are practically what living out these new identities look like. This is what it, it, it practically looks like. And this is where we are at the end of Paul's letter. So he shares his concluding thoughts to the believers in Ephesus, uh, and really to, to all believers. And so here we are, chapter 6, verse 10. 
is the word of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I speak, so that you also may know how I am doing, how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. So first, uh, note the thrust of Paul's emphasis. He emphasized being in the Lord is why they are strong. It is the Lord's might that is strong. It is God's armor that believers are called to put on. And this emphasis is important because it guards the believer trying to be strong themselves. So why do we need the Lord's strength? And as we're living in this already not yet intermediate kind of place, the power of sin is a reality. And we saw that in the previous chapters. And then you kind of feel this tension of putting off the old, putting on the new, putting off the old, putting off on the new. It's put off darkness, put on light, put off bitterness and wrath, but be kind and tenderhearted, forgive one another, uh, put off falsehood and put on truth. Uh, and you could see that the believer is, is pulled. He's being pulled this way. He's being pulled that. And other places in, in uh, Galatians, Paul writes that uh, this is um, uh, in opposition between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, in Romans, he called it uh, the members within, within him that are warring with one another. And this opposition and active warfare are happening because there are forces actively against believers. And Paul is clear who is raging this warfare. Verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, and my, my first point is this, that the devil and his forces are real, and they're a lot stronger than we are. Um, just, just a quick heads up. You, you guys didn't know when you came this Sunday, but 
this first point, you're going to get a, a mini seminar into angelology and demonology, um, and which I think, honestly, I think I think it's kind of necessary. Like, e- I think even for me, um, because well, let me let me just let me just let me just dive in, okay, into into our mini angelology demonology seminar. Um, before the modern era, that's like 16th century, um, the existence of angels and demons was taken as reality. That they weren't just expressions of, of the human psyche, or they weren't just like creative literary devices. But it was believed that they took an active role in the regular intervention of human life. That there was a harmony between the corporeal and the incorporeal, the, the, the material and the immaterial. Um, but since then, our, our largely Western worldview has, has shifted to being mostly material. Um, but you do hear in other places of the world um, of this, this spiritual reality. Uh, and you, you hear amongst, like, missionaries mostly, like overseas missionaries. Uh, and sometimes you hear in, like, super charismatic churches. But you hear about, oh, there's just, like, a spiritual realm that's, like, real. And it affects real life. Um, but for me, I wonder if, if some senses this unbelief in the spiritual is, is one of the schemes of the devil to make us think that, oh, this isn't an active part of life. Uh, and in the church, uh, I think for, yeah, we've, we've kind of treated this in, in either extreme. Uh, and on one hand, we, we admit the reality, but, but we rarely talk about them. Uh, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of here. I'm kind of like, okay, I know it's real, but it's, it's not like in my like, like natural. It's not, I don't think about it every day. I'm not like, the, the, the devil's out to get me. You know, I, I, it's just, I'm, I'm like right here. Or uh, a lot of churches, I think, talk about it too much, uh, where everything is, is spiritualized, where every bad thing that happens, it's like the enemy's trying to get me, the devil's trying to get me, right? It's like you, you slip and fall, and the, oh, the devil's trying to get me. But maybe that's just like natural order of how, you know, nature happens. Or you're suffering from the consequences of, of your own sin. Uh, and it's it's like oh it maybe isn't just like a, a spiritual warfare kind of thing. So we want to be wary of both of these extremes, but treat them how they're seen in Scripture. Uh, and in Scripture, it's an active part of how the world works and how our lives are are impacted. Uh, and so let's let's dive in. Uh, scripture is clear that angels and demons are an active part of our lives. Uh, in fact, they are mentioned in no less than 273 verses throughout the Old Testament and New Testament across all genres. They're, they're, they're in the Pentateuch, they're in the historical books, they're in the prophetic books, they're in poetry, they're in the Gospels, they're in the epistles, they're, they're in the apocalyptic books, they're, they're everywhere. Uh, and so, um, to answer who is Satan and these spiritual forces, uh, first we have to talk about what, what angels are. Like, what, what are angels? It's kind of this, like, mythical, mythical thing, you know. Um, but angels, uh, God's word, Psalms 148 says, 
tells us that angels were created by God at his command. Uh, they, were, they were probably created uh, when, when God created everything, the, the heavens and the earth. And theologians think they probably created angels when he created the heavens. Uh, and they are seen throughout Scripture as spirits. Uh, and in our passage, Paul differentiates them as immaterial beings distinct from material beings. Like he emphasizes that our, our battle, our enemy, is not flesh and blood, the material, but it, it's against these things that are, are immaterial. Uh, and angels um, are considered glorious and exalted. Uh, in fact, Psalms 8 says that they're created higher than man. Oof, that's, that's, I, don't, I don't like to hear that, you know? Like, man, I'm supposed to be the pinnacle of God's creation, you know? But the word says that angels are created higher than man. They're called Elohim. Uh, and if, if you know, if you've been in the church world, uh, that's a generic Hebrew word for, for God. Uh, and I think it's to convey their godlike nature. Uh, they function as God's personal ministers in, in two senses of the word. In, in one sense, they, they, they minister to him in, in constant 24-7 worship of him. Uh, and you see that in the, uh, before the throne room uh, in um, Isaiah and John's visions. Uh, and they're ministers in terms of like, if you think of like minister of commerce, uh, like his, his cabinet. They're his ministers of his divine governance to help him rule. And so um, we see them as part of God's heavenly council uh, in 1 Kings. Uh, we see them as messengers delivering God's proclamations. Uh, they're the ones who, who told, uh, went and told Abraham um, that he's going to have a son. They told Mary and Joseph uh, that they're going to be uh, conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're the ones who execute God's will. Uh, so angels are the one who shut the lions' mouths uh, uh, in when Di Daniel got thrown in the den. Um, angels uh, are the one uh, who freed the apostles and Paul, separate events, uh, from prison in Acts. Uh, these are angels who did that. Uh, and also, they're the ones who execute not only his divine will, but also his, his judgments. Uh, and so they're the ones who administer plagues uh, when David ordered that census, that angels are the one who administered the plagues. Uh, and in Acts 12, an angel is the one who struck Herod to death. Uh, and you see angels are the ones executing God's divine judgment. And so angels, these spirits who are considered higher than humans, ministers of God, uh, who then is Satan uh, and these spiritual forces? Uh, Satan, the word um, in Ezekiel says, was an angel of exalted status. So Ezekiel 28.14 says, You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. Uh, and this, this refers to um, Satan's original exalted position. Uh, as 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 a cherub, uh, and uh, different um, like schools of thought like rank like different like tiers of where like cherub cherubim are, uh, but 
it, it definitely sounds like he's, he's pretty high up there. Uh, his positionally, he's pretty high. So much so that when Revelation talks about Satan's fall, it says that when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. So that's how high his position and influence was, that when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. Um, how did how did he fall? Uh, and we're just gonna we're gonna talk quickly. It's it's a very fun like thought exercise, um, to like yeah, kind of like compare like hey, what's the purpose of like angels? Like do they have free will? Do they not have free will? Uh, because of their like immaterial like nature, like what does that say about like angelic like power? Like what are they capable of doing? And so if if you're kind of interested in that, um, Thomas Aquinas like the Church Father is probably one of the preeminent, um, like, voices in that. Uh, a, a modern theologian is, is Serge Thomas Bonino. Um, he's, he's probably, like, the modern uh, theologian uh, who's really thinking through just angels and demons. Um, but uh, how, did, how did they fall? Um, I think just quickly, just as humans were created as, as intellectual beings given a will, Angels, as, as higher beings, are also intellectual beings uh, and with a will. And so, uh, Scripture tells us that uh, it was his pride that made him fall. In Isaiah 14, it says uh, that he fell because you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Uh, and in Ezekiel 28, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And so both emphasize uh, the sin of, of his pride, that he wanted to be like God, thus becoming uh, a fallen angel. Now, what are angels and, and, and fallen angels capable of? Of doing, uh, and uh, just to first clarify, Scripture doesn't state that angels and demons have the the same kind of, of power. There, there's no one in Scripture that says that. But when you compare them, it definitely that's what it looks like. That it, it makes sense that their nature didn't change when they fell. Like they didn't stop being angels when they fell. And so, when I say I mean both angels and demons. Um, I mean them inter- interchangeably when I, when I say they. So back to our passage in verse 12, you see that Paul refers to the magnitude of their power as cosmic. Uh, and that's from the Greek root cosmos. Uh, in the Greek, uh, in the word that's actually used there, cosmocrator means literally world ruler. That their power was so vast that it was cosmic. It was like they were a world ruler. Uh, and I also want to clarify that because they are created beings, their power is finite and limited. So they, they cannot do things which belong to omnipotent God, the one who is outside the creation, the one, the one who theologians call the, the, the first cause and he alone has the ability to create from nothing. Uh, and, and they can't change the will because only God knows the heart and gives new hearts. However, because they're at the top of the created order, 
they have tremendous power over what are called secondary causes. And so those things are what God has, has created below them, material things. And so uh, we see examples of how they have power over material things. Uh, in, in Revelation 7, it says that they have power over the weather. Uh, Satan himself is called the prince of the power of the air. Uh, we see in Job that Satan is one who caused, causes boils to form on Job's body. Uh, and we see, uh, if, you, if you guys remember, when um, uh, Israel was, was under attack uh, by Assyria, or Judah was under attack by Assyria, uh, it was an angel who struck down 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Uh, and so we see the power of angels over material things. Uh, just a few more things. They have power over external senses. Uh, that it was angels who struck blind the men of, or the, the, yeah, the, the men of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, if you remember, they're, they're, they're trying to rape Lot. Uh, and they're trying to rape like the angels who are visiting Lot. Uh, but the angels struck them blind. Uh, and they have power over internal senses. Um, they, you see them appearing in dreams, uh, directing, to pe directing people in their dreams. Uh, you see uh, demons uh, and Satan tempting and accusing and lying. Uh, and so they have influence over internal senses as well. So... These angels, these demons, they have cosmic world-ruling power. And angels use that to build us up. Um, when, when, when I read this, this passage, I had to do like a double take. I'm like, read it again. Uh, Hebrews 1.14 says of angels, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Ooh, you know? Not sure about, um, you know, in the Catholic tradition, like each person has like a guardian angel, right? I'm, I'm not sure if each person has a guardian angel, uh, but there's truth to that theology that the purpose of angels, Scripture tells us the purpose of angels exists for our sake, for our salvation, to minister to us. So that's what angels do, but Satan and his demons use that power to tear us down. And so Jesus says in John 8 that Satan is the father of lies. He says in John 10 that his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And you consistently see that throughout Scripture. And you see that uh, what they do to individuals. Uh, when the demon-possessed man um, who was, was cried out to Jesus, who had a legion of demons inside him, uh, that he was crying out, all day, all night, cutting himself with stones. And you see demonic forces on individuals. But not only to individuals, you also see Satan and demons use their power to manipulate entire societal structures. And so specifically in Daniel, there are specific demons over nations. There are demons who are called the prince of Greece and the prince of of Persia, uh, and you see there's this like oppressive, there's almost like a demon who's powerful and who's assigned to manipulate and do, do the work of stealing, killing, destroying 
and having that influence, that manipulative, lying kind of influence over entire nations. So the devil and his forces are real, and they're, they're a lot stronger than we are. Uh, but for us, what can the schemes of the devil and his spiritual forces look like? Uh, and Because sometimes when we see it in Scripture, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine. You know, it's hard, to, it's hard to imagine, like, when we go through sickness, is it, is it just sickness or is it spiritual attack? Like, mental things, like anxiety and depression, are they, are they is it spiritual attack or is it, is it, is it like a physical thing? Uh, and I think this is where it takes really a lot of wisdom from, from believers to know that it can be, it can be either, it can be both. Uh, and to really walk with the Lord in these things, recognizing, hey, there are active spiritual forces moving against the people of God, moving against God's kingdom. But uh, I think some things, when, when I'm thinking about, man, how have I really experienced, like, spiritual uh, attack for, for myself? Uh, and it's kind of the first thing that comes to mind is, Man, every time I'm, I'm about to, like, embark on something that's, like, uh, I don't know what to call it, but, like, like, spiritual. Like, when I'm, like, speaking at a retreat, like, when I'm even speaking on Sundays, like, when I'm planning for a retreat, like, leading up to it, like, the week leading up to it, there's, like, massive amounts of, of I would say, this, like, onslaught of, like, like spiritual attack that comes. And a lot of people, like most pastors have experienced this. And even a lot of people who attend retreats, it's like for some reason, like a lot of people get sick leading up to a retreat. Like a lot of temptation comes, like in, in the form of, 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 of sexual temptation or in the form of, of anger and wrath and bitterness. It comes like leading up to like these, these like I don't know, I think, like, these, these events that, like, God is like, hey, there's going to be a lot of good breakthrough, like, kingdom work that's going to happen. Uh, and so that's kind of, like, one of the forms, like, it takes. Uh, I think the, uh, the other forms it, it really takes, like, for me um, is it, it really comes in the form of, of, these, of these, like, small, like, whispers, these, these, like, lies of the enemy that, like, say, like, to me, like, and I, I started, like, questioning, uh, like, can God, like, really love someone like me? You know? And I'm reminded of, like, the devil's first lie, like, to, to Adam and Eve. Like, did God really say? Um, or, like, can I really be free, like, from this addiction? Can I really be free from this? Uh, and that's kind of like these little, like, lies and little doubts I think that that the that the enemy kind of kind of whispers. Um, and thirdly, I'll just say that uh, I think many of us kind of like sometimes experience um, kind of this like we don't know how to identify, but kind of seems like an oppressive spirit in like in places, you know, like when you like walk in someone somewhere where it's like a house or like you 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 go and like you go to like like a different like religious temple like you feel this like oppressive spirit like you feel this like dark thing 
and it's like, oh, like I don't, I don't really know what it is, but man, I, my like spiritual antennas are like, are like really up, and it's either like I want to run or I'm like, I'm like trying to cast out like you know whatever is there in that moment. Um, but and sometimes we can kind of like identify, oh, like I think the oppressive spirit here is like, I don't know, it's like some kind of like fearful spirit that's like here, like here it, it's some type of like like greed. It's like some kind of like greedy, oppressive spirit that's here. Uh, and sometimes we feel it even in like different cities when we're like, you know, a lot of people who live in New York City, they'll share about like, man, there's kind of this like hedonistic kind of like spirit that's here like in the city. Uh, and I wonder, similar to how there's like a prince of Greece, prince of Persia, if there isn't something like that over even like our societal structures like here that, that some of us like, we kind of like feel that. And so it, it's kind of sobering to know the, the, the tremendous power that Satan and his, his fallen angels are, are capable of. Uh, but uh, even though it's cosmic, world-ruling powers at work against us, Paul writes that God has given us the means to protect ourselves. Uh, and this is our final point. By God's strength, we are infinitely stronger than Satan and his forces. By God's strength, we are infinitely stronger than Satan and his forces. Uh, for some of us, hearing that we have to put on different pieces of armor, it may be kind of crippling, you know, because it's like, man, we have to make sure we are, we are putting on each piece of armor correctly, you know, that we have to make sure that the helmet of salvation is on, we have to make sure, like, the belt of truth is on, the breastplate, oh, shoot, I, I, forgot, the, I forgot the shield. I, I'm in trouble. I forgot the shield. And so... Uh, just, just to boil it down, what Paul is describing is putting on Christ's work. This armor that Paul is writing about are themes found throughout Scripture about being clothed in salvation or clothed in righteousness. However, it's the most clear in Isaiah 59, where I believe Paul is making a direct echo of Isaiah 59. So Isaiah 59, verse 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. And then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So Isaiah here is writing from God's perspective, that he's saying that God sees that there is no man who can save mankind. So it says himself, God himself brought salvation. And so we know that this prophecy that Isaiah is speaking that was to come is Jesus. And ultimately, this is where our strength comes from. That at the end of the day, we couldn't save ourselves from the powers of sin and Satan. And we continue to not be able to stand against such power on our own. But someone was able to. Jesus, who the Hebrews writer says was tempted in every way but did not sin. His righteousness was perfect, stays perfect, and is perfect. And ultimately, by his death and resurrection, he triumphed over Satan and his evil forces. And upon salvation, we are unified with the one who triumphed. That Christ's power becomes our power as we're now unified with him. And so for those who are like, man, each piece of armor, that's, that's like too much. 
That's not giving too much. Remember, it's putting on Christ's work of salvation for you. And, and something I think important to note here is that Paul is addressing believers here. Like he's not addressing unbelievers. He's addressing believers who are already unified to Christ. And he's encouraging believers to put on the armor of God. And again, it's because we're living in the already and not yet that there's a real enemy working against us. So call to put on the armor is a call to remember and surrender to Christ's work. And it's in that surrendering where we're strengthened. So we put on Christ's work. It's a recognition that we can't do it, that we put on someone, the only one who could, and we do it by his strength. Uh, but for others who are like, man, put, in, put on Christ's work, and what, what, is, what does that even mean? You know, it's, it's, it's a little too broad. Like, it's a little too nebulous. I just put on Christ's work. And so, for those of you, I mean, you, you, you could be both, too, I think. You could be like, oh, that's, that's enough, and I, I think I need more. So, we'll talk just briefly about the significance of, of, of each piece of armor. Um, and so, the, the belt of truth, uh, dress yourself in truth. This is putting off falsehoods and putting on what God says is true. Putting this on guards us from lies of the enemy. Uh, the breastplate of righteousness. This is remembering that when we were united to Christ, his righteousness became our righteousness. That means his right standing before God became ours. When God sees us, if you're a believer, he sees Christ's righteousness covering us. And remembering this protects us from accusations from the enemy that we are sinners unworthy of being before God. It protects us from shame and condemnation. Shoes of readiness. This is remembering that we are called to be a blessing to others, to bring the good news of God's, of Christ's unifying work to all areas of life. And remembering this protects us from selfishness and greed. It protects us from the enemy wanting us to be insulated and not working and giving of ourselves for the restoration of the world. Shield of faith. This is remembering that faith is what saved us. The belief that we couldn't do it, that we needed Jesus, and that only through him are we saved. Remembering the faith that saved us is what keeps us humble and in continued reliance of Jesus. So helmet of salvation. This is remembering that salvation came to us, that God accomplished it because he loved us, not because we were good or had promising futures, but simply because he loved us. Remembering this guards us from thinking that we are better than we are or that we're better or more deserving than others. And finally, the sword of the Spirit. And this is remembering that the word of God is what gave life and what sustains life. That Jesus himself, when he was tempted by Satan, quoted scripture saying, man does not live on bread alone, but by the very word of God. And knowing the word of God, the truth about each of these pieces of armor in a deeper and more complete way will help us in this spiritual fight. And then Paul, at the end, exhorts believers, after having put on the whole armor, to pray at all times. And I'm, I'm kind of like, why? The armor of God seems pretty complete, right? I'm covered from head to toe. Everything is covered. Why the additional call to pray? 
think it's because Paul knows that the enemy doesn't have one kind of attack or strategy. Right? Peter says it in 1 Peter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So I think Paul is saying the enemy is dynamic, that the warfare we're in is dynamic. And I think God is asking us to abide in him so we can know when and what areas of the armor are weak so, we can, so that we can be strengthened in him. And Paul makes sure to emphasize that prayer should be made for all the saints, meaning all believers. That prayer is the means by which we fight for one another and keep one another strengthened. Uh, and Paul even makes a specific prayer request for himself. Pray that he would be bold to proclaim the gospel. Which is, which is crazy to think about Paul asking for prayers for boldness. Right? Paul, who, missionary Paul, who went to how many cities, being imprisoned because he was preaching and proclaiming the gospel, who was stoned, who was like beaten. He's, he's asking for boldness to proclaim the gospel. But he asked for that. He probably knew that his shoes of readiness were weak and under attack from spiritual forces. And so he asks those who are part of the same body, those who are also unified to Christ, to make requests to God for him that he would be strengthened. And having been strengthened, be able to stand firm. So church, uh, our, our new identities in Christ are, are amazing. That we who were dead and made alive we were brought into God's household, sons and daughters of the Most High, unified to Christ, given all authority as the church. Uh, but know that we are under constant attack from an enemy who seeks to destroy God's work in our lives and to stop our witness of God's goodness to the world. Uh, my desire today is that we're made aware of the spiritual battle. That we would once again remember Christ's work for us and what that means for us. Uh, so as the, as the worship team comes up, uh, I don't know if hearing this message, you're like, man, this, you know, he's trying to scare us. <laughs> he's trying to scare us to be like, it's a spiritual battle, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely not, not my hope. Uh, my hope is that we're made aware that the, the tension, if you're a believer here and there is that tension that you feel, that war that Paul writes in yourself, of, hey, I know the Spirit is prompting me to do this, but my, my flesh wants to do this instead. That's that spiritual warfare that Paul is writing about. And the one who is causing and pushing that warfare is Satan and his spiritual forces. But God has given us the means in those places of tension, in those places of internal warfare to fight to fight them, to put on his strength and find victory in those places.
so I would love to kind of spend some time um, in that place uh, of, I don't know if there's like that tension that, that you already know that you can quickly identify like even right now when you're like, man, this is, this is that tension that I feel. Like this is that, that warfare I feel within me. Uh, let's pray. That, let's, let's bring that before the Lord. Let's bring that before the Lord and just tell him, hey, Lord, this is, this is where I'm, I'm fighting. the Spirit of God to show you, hey, Lord, like, how were you strong, like, in those areas? Like, what is the victory that you have done? And what is that, how does that inform me about my current battle, the current tension uh, that I'm experiencing now? So let's let's just have a few moments of just uh, of prayer, of just conversation with the Lord uh, about where we are. Let's pray. another moment just asking God to remind us uh, God what is your work of salvation that you have done for me God can you remind me of what that means can you remind me of your triumph over sin Satan so yeah let's let's ask God to God can you remind me of the work that you have done for me Lastly, uh, Paul exhorts 
the church uh, to make supplication on behalf of all believers. Uh, and so let's, let's spend another minute uh, and let's pray for each other. Uh, let's pray for other believers who you know, hey, they can use some prayers. Right? They can use some encouragement. They could use some God just revealing himself in certain areas. They can use God just breaking free in certain areas of strongholds of the enemy in their lives. Uh, let's intercede for one another. Uh, let's intercede for the church. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup and he said, this is a cup of a new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, you remember me. When you eat it, when you eat this bread, you remember me. My death until I come again. So at this time, we'll close by taking our communion. Um, we usually say a creed, but we'll, we won't do that today. Um, but our elements are all in the back today. Um, there's also a smaller table with a gluten-free option if you want. Um, but um, as you take that, I just encourage you, just be strong in the Lord. Just as we eat and drink, um, just know that the Lord is with us, that his armor and his strength is ours for us and uh, those around us as we pray for them. So uh, please, uh, let's rise. And you can, if you're a follower of Christ, we invite you to take these elements. And then as you uh, come back to your seats, we'll close with a final song, Worshiping the Lord.
so much for joining us today. We're always uh, leaving here being sent 
uh, not just being blessed, but being a blessing to others. So as we go from here, wherever you go, uh, whether you're in this neighborhood, other parts of the DMV, if you're going to another state this week, uh, wherever you are, let's go in the strength of the Lord and in his mighty power. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, one Lord of all. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Please stick around and say hello to some people before you leave. We'll see you here again next week. <laughs>